0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Good morning all. It is amazing to be here. I've, that gag went down way better at Woking. Um, it is amazing to be Okay. Um, Out of interest, who's controlling the slides? Someone in in the room is controlling the slides. Can we just give the the tech team at the back a round of applause? Because I've just arrived and they're freestyling, trying to keep up with me. So this could be fun. It is an absolute joy to be with you. One of the most beautiful things about wildfires is that we found family that we didn't know particularly well beforehand. So at KXC, we feel like in Emmaus, we found some new family. And it feels like an absolute joy to be with you this morning. So thanks for having me. And a real privilege to kickstart a new teaching series, Come Holy Spirit. Let me start with a story. A friend of mine leads a church just outside London. They phoned me a little while ago to say, look, this amazing thing's been happening in our community. I want to share one of the stories of a girl called Rihanna. Now, Rihanna had been diagnosed with cancer in her back. um, But one night she had this crazy dream. And in this dream, she felt like God was speaking to her and said, what you need to do is you need to go to your Wesley Owen bookshop Most of you will not have heard of Wesley Wesleyan, but it's a Christian bookshop, pretty much out of business, I think. But anyway, go to the, the bookshop, buy a Bible. In the front of the Bible, I want you to write the name James B. I want you to wrap it up as a present, put it in your bag and just carry it around with you. And there'll be a moment where I ask you to give it to someone. So, very specific dream. Um, Rihanna phoned my friend and said, look, I've had this crazy dream, but it was so detailed. I don't really know what to do with it. What would you suggest? So my friend said, look, there is a good chance it's just a crazy dream. You had, you know, a couple of glasses of wine, a bit too much cheese and the dream. Or God was speaking. And I don't really know, but my encouragement would be to lean into that it might be God. I would just go and do everything that you were told in the dream. So she goes to the Wesleyan bookshop. She buys a Bible. She opens the front. She writes James B. She wraps it up as a present, puts it in her bag and just carries it round for weeks. Fast forward a few weeks then she goes for a meeting with her doctor Dr. Patel to see a specialist consultant to, to look at how the cancer is advancing and it 's a day of grueling tests and At the end of the day, Dr. Bradshaw, the specialist consultant, said to Rihanna and to dr Patel look we 've been doing these tests, um, and the results made no sense, so we had to redo the tests and I still don 't really understand what's going on, but there is some good news which is we can 't Find any trace of cancer in your body. Um, so obviously, Rhian is very excited, very emotional, and she just comes out with, Well, I can explain it to you. My church has been praying for healing, and God has healed my body. Now, at that point, Dr. Patel chips in. And says, you're a Christian. Like, I'm a Christian. And we pray for healing in our church. And we've had a few stories of, like, miracle healings like that. And they share a little moment together. And then Dr. Bradshaw chips in and says, I'm absolutely not a Christian. But about a month or so ago, something similar happened. Um, The cancer disappeared. Someone said they thought God was healing them. And as I drove home that day, I said, God, I don't believe in you. But if this happens again, you've at least got my attention. And and in that moment, Rihanna just has this kind of brainwave. And she says, Dr. Bradshaw, can I ask what your first name is? And he says, yeah, it's James Bradshaw. She's like, no way. I think I've got a gift for you. And explains the story of the dream, presents the gift. He unwraps it, opens up the Bible, James B. Now, he didn't come to faith in that moment, but that is a remarkable story of God's power to heal and prophetically speak to his people, right? That's an amazing story. Now, if that story was just placed in the Gospels, you'd be like, yeah, it fits there. That stuff's happening all around Jesus pretty much all of the time. If you were to place it in the book of Acts, you'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. It fits perfectly in the story of the early church. Peter, Paul, these guys, that stuff was happening all around them. If you were to place that story in my life, or maybe in your life, you might say it's out of the ordinary. Those stories feel pretty rare. One of the things as a family of churches with wildfires is contending together for the next great awakening. Knocking on the door of heaven together to say, Lord, we long for an outpouring of the Spirit. And our deepest desire isn't just an outpouring of power. What we really long for is an outpouring of presence. Because when we're drawn into your presence, we experience intimacy. And the byproduct of intimacy is fruitfulness. Jesus said that. If you abide, if you remain in the vine, you'll bear fruit, fruit that will last. When the spirit is poured out, those stories are less rare. They don't happen every single day, but they're less rare. We are asking for an outpouring of the Spirit because we long for a greater measure of intimacy that leads to fruitfulness. And part of that fruitfulness are the signs and wonders of the kingdom of God. So this is the teaching series you're about to embark on, Come Holy Spirit. This is the overview. This is where you're going. So this is an intro to the series. Then two weeks on the fruit of the Spirit. And spoiler alert, I'm guessing the teaching will look something like this, that we display the fruit of the Spirit as we wait on the Spirit. In other words, it's not about striving the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You don't step into that through striving. Like, be more joyful. It just doesn't work like that. Like, be more peaceful. Like, have you tried dealing with anxiety like that? Stop worrying. Just speaking it over yourself. Stop worrying. The reality is that levels of anxiety increase. As you realize you're not becoming less anxious, you're becoming more anxious. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Right? It doesn't work like that. Trees don't bear fruit by striving. Apples. (laughs) Apples. No. If the soil is good and there's a lot of rain, there will be apples. There will be fruit. So the work we do is tending to the soil of our hearts. We do participate and work with the Spirit and being open to His infilling. And when that happens, the fruit of the Spirit begins to grow in our lives. That was a spoiler alert for the next two weeks. And then the two weeks after that, we're going to be looking at the gifts of the Spirit that enable us to participate in the ministry of Jesus. So next slide. By way of intro, um, I want to look at three of the areas where the Spirit works in our lives. He awakens us to the person of Christ. And draws us into the life of this spirit, the abundance of the spirit. He forms us into the likeness of Christ. We become like Jesus in character. That's the fruit of the spirit. And he empowers us to participate in the ministry of Christ. That's the gifts of the spirit. So firstly then, let's look at he awakens us to the person of Christ. It's by the spirit, Paul says, we say Jesus is Lord. It's the love of the Father is poured into our hearts by the Spirit. We cry, Daddy, Abba, recognize that we're sons and daughters by the Spirit. So when we read the Creed, this is what we say about the Spirit. And I'm guessing, if this church is anything like the church my wife and I lead, we don't say the Creed that much. But if we were to say the Creed, this is what we'd say about the Spirit. So if it can come up on the screen. And why don't we say this together, one little verse or stanza from the Creed. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. So he's the Lord, third person of the Trinity. He is the giver of life. This phrase is Very important. It summarizes the teaching of the New Testament about the Spirit. So if you look at the next slide, the writers of the New Testament, when they begin to talk about the Spirit, they're constantly saying, John 6, he's the Spirit that gives life. Paul, Romans 8, he says he's the spirit who gives life on three different occasions. 2 Corinthians 3, he's the spirit that gives life. Galatians 6, he's the spirit that gives life. Where you see outbreaks of the life of the kingdom of God, you can guarantee the spirit is at work. The Spirit who gives life. This is also a summary statement of the narrative of Scripture. So if you look at the next slide, if we go back to the Hebrew creation story, a key part in that story is God breathing into Adam and Eve. The language here, the Hebrew word is ruach. You need to activate the phlegm at the back of your throat to really pronounce it correctly. Um, But ruach can be translated breath. It could also be translated spirit. So the beginning of the story is God breathes into Adam and Eve the spirit who brings life. And they become living beings. That's how our story begins. But when you look to the next part of the story, moving towards decreation, which is the next slide, which is created order that unravels through sin. When we turn our backs on God and we begin to worship idols, we begin to expire. We lose the breath of God and we spiritually begin to die. This is the challenge constantly offered by the prophets. You're turning your back on God. You're embracing the idols of the surrounding nation and you're expiring. You're spiritually dying. The psalmist writes, the idols of the nations that you're bowing down to, they're silver and gold, literally statues made by human hands. And they have mouths, because someone carved a little mouth, but they can't speak. They have eyes carved in, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear your prayers. Your cries for salvation and rescue, they can't hear those. And here's the key verse. Why? Because there's no breath in there." Mouths, no ruach, no spirit. And those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Like when you bow down to the idols of our age, like money, sex, power, success in the workplace, whatever else it might be, you begin to expire. You lose the breath of God and you spiritually begin to die. This is what happened to the nation of Israel. And a prophecy was spoken over them that they'd essentially become like a valley of dry bones. There wasn't life in them. And then Ezekiel has this vision of when the spirit of God, the ruach of God would be poured out. Um, Ezekiel 37, next slide. And in this vision, God says to Ezekiel, go on, go for it. Why don't you prophesy over this valley of dry bones in this vision? And why don't you say, may breath, may ruach enter you and may you come to life. And as Ezekiel prophesies this over the bones. The bones do come to life. They stand on their feet and become a vast army. This is a prophecy of the outpouring of the Spirit. Now, fast forward to the New Testament at the time of Jesus, where the nation of Israel were in a state of semi-exile, ruled over by an oppressive Roman regime, yearning for breath, feeling like they're suffocating under this regime. Basically praying prayers. Do you remember that prophecy, Ezekiel, like about the coming of the spirit? Lord, would you do it? Lord, would you do it? And then listen to this account um, from John 20. Jesus appears post-resurrection. He walks into this room and says, peace be with you. They're freaking out. It's like, chill out. Peace be with you. As the father sent me, now I'm about to send you. And with that, he breathed on them. A better translation would be breathed in them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that word breathed on or breathed in, Greek word, emphousio. Let's set together. Emphousio. It's a really rare Greek word, only used once in the New Testament here. But it's used a handful of times in the Old Testament. And you can probably guess the passages. Genesis 2, God breathing into Adam and Eve. Ezekiel 37, God breathing into the valley of dry bones. So when Jesus breathes into the disciples, they're like, oh my goodness. This is what happened at the beginning of our story when we came to life. This is what was prophesied with Ezekiel, that the spirit would be poured out. It's happening right here. It's happening right now. Now, I don't know if any of you have done mouth to mouth. Not on a date. I'm talking about like CPR or maybe first aid training. What you do is you practice on these dummies, right? And you, you pinch the nose, you tilt back the head, couple of breaths, and then you pump. Couple of breaths, and then you pump. What's happening is, is you're breathing into the body until they can be resuscitated and breathe for themselves. Now, my wife would say, particularly with my morning breath, there's no chance of anything coming back to life. I'm more likely to kill them on the spot, Right. But this is what's going on as Jesus Enfuseo breathes into the disciples. He's basically saying, I want you to operate on my breath. The spirit that animates my life and my ministry. I want to breathe that into you. So that same spirit animates your life and everything you do. The spirit of God coursing through your veins. When we say come Holy Spirit, that's what we're asking for. And what does this life look like? It looks like healing and liberation and transformation, restoration and redemption. So back to the slide. He awakens us to the person of the spirit. Secondly, he forms us into the likeness of the Spirit. This is the next slide. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit begins to emerge in our lives. And if we look at the next slide, we're going to zoom in on this text that we had at the beginning. I'm not going to read it again, but I do want to focus on two words. Um, If you go to the next slide, we'll look at these two words. Another advocate. Jesus says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you the Spirit. Another advocate. Allos parakletos. Alos parakletos. Alos means another, hence the translation. Um, There's two Greek words for another. Alos and heteros. Alos means the same and of the same kind. Heteros means the same but of a different kind. I was meant to illustrate this. I was meant to pick up a load of chocolate bars on the way here. Totally forgot. So we just have to imagine this. Imagine I had a Twix. Yeah? Anyone like Twix? Chocolate bars? They're the best. And then I said, look, here's a... Alos chocolate bar, a Twix also, another of the same kind. And then imagine I had a Snickers and I said, here's a heteros chocolate bar, another chocolate bar, but of a different kind, right? I didn't bring any of that stuff, but hopefully that illustrates the point. Jesus says, when he talks about the spirit, it's an alos paracletos, another of the same kind. Now, again, I want to draw you into the paradigm shift that was going on with the first disciples, They were fierce monotheists that believed in one God. And as they encountered the person of Jesus, they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, we know that in encountering Jesus, we've encountered God. And they're struggling to find language. So Paul says, in him, Jesus, the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And he, he's the image of the invisible God. So this is an argument through experience. They're like, we believe in one God, we're still monotheists, but he's revealed himself to us as father and now as son. And then Jesus says, when I ascend to the father, I'm going to give you an alos paracletos. And as the early Christians encountered the spirit, they're like, as we encounter the spirit, it's like the spirit of Jesus is with us. One God, three persons, father, son, and alos paracletos. Holy Spirit. Right, so let's look at the word parakletos. Um, The Greek word means to draw alongside. In the Mediterranean, if you were to go out on a little boat, catch some sun, um, let's say your boat got stranded or you got lost somehow, they would send out a boat to rescue you. And that boat would come alongside you, attach itself to you, and that boat would bring you back to harbour, to a place of safety. That boat is called a parakletos comes alongside to rescue. That's what Jesus is constantly doing in the Gospels, drawing alongside and rescuing people. And he says, I'm going to give you an Allos Paracletos." So what the Spirit will do, he'll come alongside and restore and rescue you, like I have done. He'll lead you through dark valleys towards green pastures, still waters where your soul is replenished. Now, in your translations, Paracletos, it might say advocate, it might say comforter, it might say counsellor. Let's just use the counselling language for a moment. If you've ever been in therapy, you'll know that you go to therapy with this issue. And most of us, if we're being really honest, we want a quick, tidy fix to that issue, right? And then there will be a moment in therapy where the counsellor says, look, I just want to let you know, this might feel bad, but it's it's way worse than this because this is just the presenting issue and what's really going on, it's really over here and this is actually pretty bad and and we need to talk through some of this stuff. I'm I'm obviously exaggerating but what the counsellor will do through questions and listening is just begin to prod and poke and then there'll be a moment often of breakthrough. This is what's happened to me in counselling where just the right question and you begin to answer and then the floodgates open and for me that was like ugly crying. I'm talking snot tears, like ugly crying. It was a moment of breakthrough. I believe the spirit was at work in that moment. Henri Nouwen, Catholic writer, says, love stirs up anything unlike itself for the purpose of healing. Right, so when the love of the Father's poured in by the spirit, and this is what was going on in my counseling, I truly believe that God was present in this space. So the love of the Father's poured in, all the other stuff that was contrary to it was coming out and it got expressed with a lot of crying, a few little shouts here and there. I think that's normal in a counselling setting. So when we say come Holy Spirit and we invite the divine counsellor, Alos parakletos, to fall afresh upon us, it would make sense that there are outbreaks of emotion as the love of the Father's poured in and people get free and experience healing, right? It makes sense that there would be tears, sometimes shouts. And if you grew up in a conservative evangelical environment, that can feel like, oh, I'm not, is this okay? This doesn't feel particularly safe. Doesn't Paul say God is not a God of disorder, but a God of order? This doesn't feel very orderly to me, right? Can we just lean into that moment? What is going on? You see, this is how God operates. We see this in the incarnation. God enters the disorder. He's not frightened of your pain, your internal chaos. He cares about it. So he enters into the disorder and he wants to do a work of reordering. But to do a work of reordering some of the pain and the addictions and the stuff, the chaos within, it it needs to come out. And often that will be tears, sometimes shouts, right? And I just want you to know that is normal. And you can look throughout church history. That is normal when the spirit of God begins to move. It isn't disorder it is God entering the disorder and doing a work of reordering. So from our perception, we're like, is this orderly? And I genuinely believe the Father in heaven would be like, yes, I am reordering the pain in the room. I'm bringing freedom. Right? What isn't order is a lot of people in a room trying to keep everything neat and tidy, but becoming super familiar with internal chaos and bitterness and self-hatred, and addictions that no one ever talks about, right? But if we're willing to say, God, could you enter that and reorder? All of it will come out. And when we have these moments of ministry, it will look messier, but the rule of heaven is beginning to break in. Next slide then. So he awakens us, the spirit awakens us to the person of Christ, forms us into the likeness of Christ, finally then empowers us to participate in the ministry of Christ. And this is where we're going to look at some of the gifts briefly. So this is a summary of the narrative. Next slide. It is creation and then created order unravels through sin. And then through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the new creation breaks in upon us. This is the summary of the story of Scripture. Next slide. And the story is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. So, incarnation, cross, resurrection. Incarnate literally means in flesh, chili con carne. Chili in flesh, God concarne, God in human flesh. I think we're allowed to say that. So the creator steps into decreation, and the sin that led to created order unraveling is dealt with at the cross. And Jesus triumphs over the grave, and then he rises, the firstborn of the new creation, so that recreation or new creation can break in upon us. So the narrative of scripture is fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Next slide. This is what we forget to add, is that all of this happens by the spirit. The spirit isn't like a Billy bonus for the charismatics, right? All of this happens by the spirit. So next slide, the incarnation. The, the angel says to, to Mary, you, you're going to have a child. He's going to be the savior of the world. And she's like, wow, I don't really know how, um, How's this going to happen since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, by the Spirit. All of this is going to happen by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's the incarnation. Next slide, the cross. Listen to these words from Hebrews 9. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself unblemished to God? How did Jesus offer himself to God at the cross? And The answer is, by the Spirit. For those that want to engage, the answer is always going to be by the Spirit, right? Just a heads up. Resurrection. Like how did Jesus rise from the grave? And the answer is by the, by the Spirit. Always the same, always the same. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus happens by the Spirit. Next slide. And all of the ministry that happens happens in the Gospels, is by the Spirit. Philippians 2 talks about Jesus who, in being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be snatched hold of, but made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. Greek word there, kenosis, to empty oneself. The idea goes that what Jesus did, he remained fully God in terms of identity, but he let go of certain privilege that, privileges that go with being God as he embraces our humanity. So a couple of examples, omnipresence, like God is everywhere at the same time. He's in Woking right now. I hear he's more in Guildford, that's obviously a joke, and maybe even more so in Aldershot. Um, He's everywhere at the same time, but Jesus in embracing humanity, when he was in Galilee, he wasn't in Jerusalem, right? What about omniscience, that God knows everything? Well, we know that Jesus went to school and had an education, In Hebrews, it says he learned obedience, right? These limitations, still fully God in identity, but these limitations to embrace our humanity. What about omnipotence? Right? All powerful, God is all powerful. And yet, the first 30 years of Jesus' life, there's not a single miracle recorded. And then at his baptism, the spirit falls upon him. He goes to the wilderness and he comes back. Next slide, Luke 4. He returns in the power of the Spirit and all the miracles kick in. And that's when he goes to the synagogue and quotes Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to do all of the stuff of the kingdom, right? The word Christ literally means anointed one. Do you know what the word Christian means? It means in Christ, in the anointed one. The same anointing that was upon Christ Jesus falls upon you every single time you say, come Holy Spirit. That's why we try and encourage people to develop an openness to the spirit because we want to walk in the same anointing. So next slide. The whole of the ministry of Jesus happens by the spirit. Okay, next slide. Luke 3. Just final story. This is quite fun. So, this is the story of the baptism. Something very significant is happening. The heavens are torn open, and the Spirit descends on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. Now, the question we should be asking is why does the Spirit fall in bodily form like a dove? Why not like a robin? That would tie this up with Christmas in the most beautiful way. Why? Like, why a dove? Robins are beautiful. I'd much rather it be a robin. Um, and you need to understand something of the, the story of Scripture to understand the power of this one moment. So, the people of God, their creation story, basically says that, next slide, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Have this image of of the Spirit hovering over the chaos, the disorder, and doing a reordering work. Now, what happened with the nation of Israel, they turned their back on God, they end up in exile. And they spend 70 years in Babylon. Now, when they head into um, exile, they speak Hebrew. And after 70 years in Babylon, they return speaking the language of the Babylonians, Aramaic. So the rabbis, the teachers, basically thought, we want the next generation to know the story of God's faithfulness. We need to translate the text. So they, you know, start work translating the text into Aramaic. And that translation was known as the Targum. Right, And the Targum condensed certain parts of the Old Testament scriptures and expanded certain parts of the Old Testament scriptures. And when it comes to the creation story, there are three words added that give some detail. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Next slide. Big reveal. Like a dove. So the text Jesus would be most familiar with and his contemporaries most familiar with when it comes to the creation story is the spirit's hovering like a dove. So when Jesus enters into the waters at baptism and gets fully dunked in the waters and the spirit is hovering like a dove, those with eyes to see are like, oh my goodness, we know our creation story. This is recreation breaking in upon us. And Jesus is the agent of the new creation, which is why blind eyes are going to start seeing because that's what they were created for. And deaf ears, they're going to start hearing and lame people are going to start walking because the spirit of God is being poured out on Jesus and through Jesus upon us. So Just imagine that every moment, come Holy Spirit. The Spirit hovering, wanting to bring kingdom, order, usher in the rule and reign of heaven. Next slide, and we'll close with this. The disciples in John 14 would have been asking the question, this is amazing, Jesus, you're going to send to the Father, you're sending in Alos Paracletos, but we, we have no idea how we're going to continue your ministry. The signs and the wonders of the kingdom of God, how are we going to do it? Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, In other words, whoever trusts what I've been teaching you about with regards to the Spirit, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. In other words, if you open yourself to the Spirit, you're going to fully, not partially, fully participate in my ministry, drawing the lonely into families. Drawing the sick into community where we're praying for healing and seeing outbreaks of healing. All of the stuff of the kingdom, it happens by the spirit, which is why Paul says you should eagerly desire all the spiritual gifts, right? All of them, because through these gifts, we get to do the stuff of the kingdom. Why don't we stand? And I'm aware we've slightly overrun. It sounded like the worship team were... Kept things rolling. But can we just have a few moments as we welcome the spirit to come and fall afresh upon us? You might wanna hold your hands out in a simple posture of receiving. This is what kids do on their birthdays. They come with full expectation there's gonna be a present, right? Jesus said, come to me like a little child. Jesus also said, how much more will the father give the spirit to those that ask? So we ask with our minds, but with our bodies, We display our openness as we say, come, Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Lord, we've tried to participate in your ministry at times in our own strength, and there hasn't been abundance. So we repent and we say, come, Holy Spirit. We want your spirit flowing through our veins. We want to participate in your ministry, not build our own. So with humility, we say, come, Holy Spirit, we need you. or here, you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian. Here's a simple prayer you could pray. God, I, I'm not sure what I believe about you but if it is possible to experience your presence then I'm open. It's a ballsy prayer but why not pray something like that? Come holy Is what I want to do just as we land and just keep receiving just keep, keep engaging with the spirit he's here he's moving there is a peace that's falling upon people i believe what the lord wants to do is satisfy thirsty hearts and i wonder if there's a number in this room your thirst levels have been rising not just this morning but maybe coming weeks maybe coming months you're like oh i'm i'm so thirsty what this wilderness season has done, it's created a thirst where I'm on a mission to find some living water. If that's you, if your thirst levels are really high right now, can you just put your hand in the air? I believe the Lord wants to pour out living water. Amazing. Revivals often begin like this, as very, very thirsty people become desperate to encounter the Spirit. So if you're near anyone with a hand in the air, I don't know how it works here, but let's just count yourself as ministry time just for minister team just for a moment and can you just place a hand on their shoulder and say come Holy Spirit pour out living water pour out your presence God we invite you to breathe into your followers again And just as we continue to pray for those folk if you walked in this morning with some physical pain might be a physical condition. And you would be open to someone just laying a hand on your shoulder and with gentleness and humility, inviting the spirit to come to heal. If that's you, can just put your hand in the air? If you're in pain and you would be open to someone just inviting the spirit to come and heal. When the spirit moves in power, healings begin to take place. It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen every time. But as we basically pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Sometimes that kingdom breaks in upon us, and when it does, we rejoice. So Holy Spirit, for those with the hand in the air asking for physical healing, we ask, would you move in power? Spirit come. Spirit come. amazing if you're praying please do keep praying if you have children there's an ungodly chaos developing in those rooms i'm sure so please do go and get them and bring them back here if you're praying please keep praying a stunning overview to the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, that that talk goes live at 7pm tonight. So if you want to listen to it again, just so much meat and content in there, please do. But this is a perfect way to start the series. Over the next four weeks, we're going to carry on that prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. And Pete's done a stunning job in explaining what is happening as we pray that prayer and so thank you for being here today um, feel free to keep praying but if you do need to go we totally understand sorry we've overrun a little bit and um yeah we're going to be back here and just super quickly I, I really strongly felt the Lord saying there's someone visiting here for, you're a church leader from another church and you're on your own journey in terms of the Holy Spirit the Lord is bringing you into new season it's for your church and, and you've been like Nicodemus. I want this, but I don't know. Well, don't worry about the church. And the Lord's saying, actually, I want to do a work in you that is for your congregation. And it might be messy, but the, but that word that Pete brought about actually it's order. Uh, disorder is just trying to control everything. And I sense there's a new release of, of the spirit in your life that is for those that you're leading. So I don't know who that is, but. Um, God bless the wonderful mess that's coming to you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody.